like to follow along while the scripture is read. It's on page 785 in your two Bible. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Oh, excuse me. It says, <laughs> chapter 4, verse 1. We are going to read verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. May the Lord bless these words to our understanding. Thank you, Charlie. Let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. From the text. God, enter into us as we move into Lent. Help us to be a people of thoughtfulness, of reflection, of prayer, and of action. To seek your word, to read your word, to hear your word, and then to act on that word. And be with us this day, whether we know where we are or whether we feel as if we are in a wilderness. Amen. And again from that text. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And from the book Mayflower by Nathaniel Philbrook. In the end... All arguments for and against emigrating to America ended with the conviction that God wanted them to go, that they were knit together as a body in a most strict and sacred bond. And as William Bradford later wrote, they knew they were pilgrims. They knew they were pilgrims. 
There may be no more mythologized, stereotyped, or misunderstood participant in the American story, especially the early American story, than the pilgrims. The pilgrims. Most of us in our schooling and in the wider culture, we learned a little or we learned wrong about the 50 men and women and children, Puritans, who boarded the Mayflower on September 6, 1620, along with 52 other folks, all who had signed up to travel to America. Who were they really, these pilgrims, who four centuries ago landed in what they might have referred to as the so-called New World, though for the tens of thousands of Native Americans who were already here, they would disagree with characterization. Pilgrims, they came here for religious freedom, no longer able or willing to live under the strictures of the Church of England. They refused to bow to the ecclesiastical authority of the king or the archbishop. Believers who were threatened with imprisonment and even put to death in England for those beliefs. They wanted to worship freely as they saw fit, as they believed God called them to do so. They fled England for the Netherlands in 1607, where they worshipped in freedom, but eventually they came to the conclusion that their children were no longer learning what it meant to be free English women and men, and so they decided finally to go, to go, to be pilgrims. Pilgrims, folks who leave the safety of a known place for the mystery of an undiscovered destination, who choose not to stay in the status quo, but instead set out upon the ocean of adventure and risk with no guarantees that the trip will turn out well, save for their faith in one another and God. Pilgrims, folks who feel called by God to move, to depart, to exit, to leave, for parts unknown, pilgrims. This Lent, we will be thinking about just what it means to be a pilgrim and a faithful pilgrim in 1620 and 2020 and beyond, what it means for us, New England Congregationalists, we who are the direct heirs of that landing at Plymouth, we who actually call ourselves Pilgrim Church. What might it mean that this pilgrim spirit is in our spiritual DNA in our very bones 400 years later. They knew they were pilgrims, but do we know that we are pilgrims? Do we know that? A story, a a very personal story. I knew I could not go back, but I was unsure and anxious about what lay ahead. I could not keep living the way I was, but I had no clarity about the journey before me. I knew I had to change And I was afraid of that, and I was excited about that. I knew I had to go, to go. No turning back or returning to the past. It was in my second year at seminary, 1988, a time when you'd think I would have been thriving and happy and diving with joy into all the experiences of my new call to ministry, my new life, and yet I was drowning in deep sadness. I was so unhappy. I was restless. I struggled to make any friends. I isolated and stayed home much too much. I either could not sleep or I slept too much. At my core, I doubted my essential worth 
and I wondered if I was worthy of love, of God's love or human love. I was in a spiritual wilderness, the wilderness not unlike the kind of no man's land that Jesus was in when he wrestled with his call. I was depressed, very depressed. I just didn't know it. And so I spoke to a mentor of mine, and he said this to me. John, I faced that exact same thing when I was your age. I remember the day on campus when I finally knew I had to walk across the quad to the student mental health center and make an appointment. It was the longest walk of my life. But I did it. And yes, thank God, I made that long walk, and I got help, and I recovered. But first, I had to go. To know I could not be the same person anymore. I could not stay. I had to move like a pilgrim. Like all of us who at key moments in life, we know that God is calling us, that life is calling us, that circumstances are challenging us to leave the safety and familiarity of a known place for an unknown place. You have been a pilgrim. We all have. Friends, it's what makes us human. Sometimes that pilgrimage is sad and hard, like my trip to see that counselor. Or it's the moment an addict knows that they cannot drink or drug anymore, that they must get sober. It's the moment a spouse realizes a relationship is not salvageable. It's the moment you know you have to quit your job because it is draining your soul. It's the moment you get health news and you know your life will never be the same again. It's the moment that someone you love dies. There is no going back. It's wilderness. But we also know amazing God-blessed pilgrim turning points too. Years ago, a friend of mine, his wife, was eight months pregnant with twins, and I asked him how he felt. Like, I'm tied to the train tracks, and I can't move, and it's barreling down the tracks. (laughs) And he said it with a big smile on his face. Life shifts. You got to go. Or the moment that you knew you had met your soulmate. Or when you decided to retire and you had no idea about what you would do, but you knew you could never go back to work. Or the moment that you were accepted to a college, you had no idea what it would be like and you were so anxious and so excited. Leaving one place for another, life is never the same again. Or I think of our church in 2020. Friends, the whole world is radically changing around us. We could stay put. We could do the same old, same old, right? We could not leave the safe harbor. But is that really faithful? Will church continue on or not? And will it depend upon about what we decide as pilgrims? Are we being the pilgrims that we call ourselves? Or think of the whole world in 2020. I don't know about you, but it feels to me as if we are at some huge changing, uh, some huge uh, turning point, some moment when things are shifting with climate change or health care or political structures and old ways of living and being a nation that no longer seem to work anymore. As the author Michael Mead wrote, a true pilgrimage requires letting go of the very things most people try to hold on to. In seeking after what the soul desires, we become pilgrims with no home, 
but the path the soul would have us follow. Friends, I truly believe that at certain times in life and history, we can't go back. We must go with God and go with each other as pilgrims into the great unknown. They knew they were pilgrims. Do we know that we are pilgrims too? In the end, all arguments for and against emigrating to America ended with a conviction that God wanted them to go, that they were knit together as a body in a most strict and sacred bond. They knew they were pilgrims. So pilgrims, it is time to go. The place that we are going is nothing like the place that we have been. That's what makes a pilgrimage. That's what makes for pilgrims, too. Let all God's pilgrim people say, Amen.